0: And we're reading from the book this morning, the New Living Translation from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of His testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The word of the Lord. The word
1: of the Lord, indeed. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. And uh, how about that boys band this morning? Hey, wasn't that great? Thank you. As Brad said, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, ladies, uh, about 45 of them, are off at uh, Canmore this weekend. And uh, so put a little extra load on some of the dads. Uh, hey, and uh, the guys, but uh, they're here and uh, doing great. Uh, who said you couldn't do it, guys? So thank you for uh, just putting your shoulder to the wheel and being here this morning. If you're new with us uh, in the last uh, week or two, um, we're in a series called Hearing God. Uh, and it, uh, it's a reminder that God is always speaking, and we want to listen to His Word. We want to hear Him. And the more we hear him, uh, the more awesome our relationship with him becomes. A few years ago, uh, a tree fell to the earth in a thunderous crash. And what was so unusual about a tree falling was this it was uh, Yosemite uh, National Park. And this was one of those huge, huge sequoia trees. Some of you have walked among those giant trees, the redwood forests of uh, California, and they're very spectacular. I don't know if we can bring this up, uh, but uh, here's one of those incredible trees. They are massive. Uh, And uh, they hadn't experienced one of these huge trees falling in many, many, many years because of the root system. Now just as we look at that tree, the unique thing about a sequoia tree is that they don't have a tap root. The only root they have is about 12 to 14 feet uh, deep, even at maturity, so that's not very deep. Uh, But one of these trees, their roots can extend, uh, occupy over an acre of land, and they can contain about 90,000 cubic feet of soil. And that, this mass of matted roots and soil has to maintain the equilibrium of a tree that's nearly 300 feet tall and weighs nearly 2 million pounds. And the roots interconnect with one another uh, and they become an anchor. But a tree fell to the ground uh, on one of these huge redwoods. Why? Well it wasn't a windstorm and it wasn't a fire And it wasn't lightning. What they discovered was that the tree came down because of foot traffic. Foot traffic around the base of the tree over the years with all of the people that came to visit the park had damaged the root system and had contributed to the collapse. Now these days they typically put a little fence around some of the oldest and most largest trees to keep the public from trampling the root system of these giants. What is true for the Sequoias is also true for you and for me. We need to protect ourselves from the foot traffic of life that weakens our system, that weakens our roots, busyness, the pace of life, the storms of life, the pressures of life that weaken us. How do we keep our strength? How do we sustain, and not just sustain, but grow and develop and get stronger as the years go by? We need to be fed, we need to be nourished, and and we need to let our roots go down as deep as they can and spread out as much as they can. And that happens as we hear God speak to us. Because He breathes life into us when He speaks to us. He feeds us with the living Word. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the root system. He is the nourishment for who we are. And he speaks to us through his word, the word of God. And when we hear his voice, we are rooted and grounded in him like nothing else. It is the word. It is the only word. Two things this morning to help us experience the nourishment of God in our hearts through the words that he speaks to us. Two words. First of all, the power of a word. The power of a word. I I read the story of a pastor who received an email several years ago. And this church was going through what they called a celebration of hope, uh, a special campaign to ease the plight of people struggling against extreme poverty in certain parts of the world. And so this man wrote to this pastor and said, you know, he said, I haven't received a cost of living adjustment in many, many years. And it just kind of gripes me that our church is uh, spending a lot of money giving to people overseas with these kind of needs. When if you look right at home, we've got our own stuff here. We've got our own needs. And, and, and we've got people here who need help too. Well, pastors are human. You, uh, you might know that by now. Pastors are very human. And it hit the pastor in the wrong way. And he sat down at his computer and he was about to bang out a reply and give this guy a little bit of working over. When the Holy Spirit said to him, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He said the cursor on the, on the screen was blinking, inviting him to write. And he said, I pretended I didn't hear what God had said. I poised my fingers above the keyboard and tried to focus on the get back task at hand. But the whisper crept in again. Be kind and tender-hearted, Pastor. Kind and tender-hearted. He said, I knew those words well. Because they, they form a verse that I had memorized 40 years ago, Ephesians 4.32. Back in front of my computer, my spirit protested. But am I going to let this guy get away with this? If I have to be kind and tender-hearted, am I going to let him win that? He said, uh, no response from God. Not surprising, given my, given my attitude. He said, I sighed, pushed my chair back, and turned to, to look out the window and think. And when I reapproached my laptop a few moments later, I tapped out a response that was far different from the one I had originally planned. And he said, about a couple hours later, I got a respectful reply from this same man saying that, you no, know, he got it, he understood, and he was grateful for my perspective on things. And that it was a fair perspective. And the pastor said, I just gave him my perspective. I went no further. But he said, I thank God for that whisper, which once again kept me from doing harm. I could have badly damaged a relationship. I could have put things into a crisis with that gentleman that didn't need to be. The power of words, the power of whispers. There's an old expression. You've all heard it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Adults uh, teach their children that little slogan in order to ease the terrible pain that really is inflicted upon them uh, by their friends or schoolmates, uh, bullying words, bullying words. Words are actually quite powerful. Words are actually quite powerful. We just have to read the book of Proverbs to see the power of words. Proverbs 18.21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 25, 15, a soft tongue can break bones. Or Proverbs 15:4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The impact of words. We all know, we've all had the experiences, the impact of words. Sometimes our, our words were, oh, I could just pull them back again. If I, just hadn't, if I just hadn't been so quick, if I could just pull those words back again, I could have saved so much. Remember the centurion in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8? Jesus was entering the city of Capernaum. And this Roman centurion came to, to ask for help saying, Lord, my servant is lying at, at home paralyzed, in terrible distress, and without even being asked, Jesus said, well, I will come and I will heal him. Uh, the centurion was in a position to understand Jesus' response and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. So he humbly said to Jesus, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. Oh, just speak the word, Lord, right from where you're at, and my servant will be healed. Yes, for where the word of a king is, there's power. The word is enough. The centurion got it because he had power and authority uh, in his role. He was authorized to speak for a higher king, Caesar. So he said, For I'm a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and I say to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. There, there is power in words spoken by authorized individuals. So as somebody said to me recently, when the prime minister came to Fort McMurray and uh, he and his ministers toured the city up there and surrounding area, then he had some, some directive words after that. He had some suggestions. He had some actually uh, directives. And he said something about next steps. And he spoke... And when he speaks, because he's the prime minister or because he's one of, they're one of the ministers, well that's the word. You can think what you want, but that's the word and the power, it, it has authority because it comes with someone from authority. So this gentleman said in our department, federal department, we just fall into line and we just do what we're asked to do because we might as well get at it because of the power of a word. What a good reminder of the power of the spoken word. So, first of all, uh, the power of a word. Second, uh, the power of God's words. The power of of God's words. Now, as followers of Christ, we pay attention to life in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God. We're part of the kingdom if we're followers of, of Jesus Christ. And within the kingdom, it takes a lot of communication. And God speaks to us so that we can be uh, an integral part of the kingdom of God, a a part of a kingdom that's growing and expanding. Uh, We need to hear the whispers of God so we can advance the ball up the field, so to speak. When we hear the whispers of God and we get the strategies of God and the the Word of God and the directives of God, then we know what we are to do and He gives us His guidance. He is our functioning Lord and He gives us His whispers so we can serve Him effectively. So God is always communicating to us. And God has always been communicating. He's always been. He speaks creative words. God's first creative word was to create light. And we all know that he created light by speaking the word. And he said, let there be light. And his word was an expression of his mind. By the expression of his mind and the power of his mind and the power of the creativity in God, he created light. And then the Old Testament is just full of phrases like, And God said, and God said. God spoke into the context of people's lives, and he gave direction, and he gave counsel, and he gave comfort. And so you'll read, And the word of God came to Moses, and God said. And the word of God came to, to Noah, and God said. And the word of God came to Abraham, and God said. And God said, To the prophets, and God said to David, and, and they all heard from God. They all heard from God. There is something very powerful when God speaks a word. Because the word has life in it, the word has power in it. The word of God is basically the communication of God, the speaking of God. And when God speaks, he expresses his mind. He expresses His character. He expresses His purposes. And God is always present with His Word. So it's not just a word in a vacuum. It's like, that's another word and that's another word. No, it's a very special word because it is God Himself. God is in the Word. And when God expresses His mind, these are the the words of God and God Himself is part of it. And, And sometimes He does it in His beautiful creation. Psalm 19, Psalm 19. God is expressing his mind. God is expressing his creativity in, in creation uh, for everyone to see. And sometimes, as Bill read this morning, he expresses himself through the incarnate Christ. The Logos, the Word become flesh and dwelt among us, John chapter 1. He expresses himself as he, as he speaks to us uh, through the word in the Bible and in our thoughts and in our whispers. Uh, and I hope I haven't lost you here and, with all of my words, but how God is expressing himself. And all, all this week I've been trying to get a handle on this. Trying to remind myself and you that god is speaking all the time and he speaks in different ways but he's in the midst of speaking and he always wants to talk to your heart he he that's what he wants most of all is to talk to your heart so let me just say it again there's much power in a word and god has been speaking words all since the beginning of time. He speaks and there is creation. He speaks and He sustains His creation. It doesn't fall apart. He speaks words into men and women of old and He leads them. He speaks and we have a Bible through a process. God speaking to individuals with their unique personalities and in time we have the formation of a canon which we have come to call the Bible and this is the Word of God. It is His Logos, it is the Word so that we can hear what He has to say to us. It is His written Word and He speaks primarily to us through His written Word, primarily. He speaks in many other ways but primarily He speaks through this written word, the Logos. And then at a certain point in history, this word, this visible language came to us through the womb of Mary. He was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and his people did not accept him. So the word became flesh. Now remember, it's not just a word. It is God in the word. And God is always present with His Word. And God gave us His only Son to the world as the Logos, the presence of God in a person, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. John 1.1 So now we see the word in flesh with a human body. This is God in the flesh. This is God speaking to us and communicating with us. And he is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And he is among us. And he is the one for us. And he is the one who forgives us. So it's not only a verbal, written word, it is a person. It is God Himself. And He's always communicating. And He's always telling us that He loves us. And that He comfort, com, uh, comforts us. And, and when we're discouraged, uh, that he, he comes alongside of us. And He's always wanting to tell us, as you go through life, He's always wanting to tell you that He forgives you. And He releases you to live the life He calls you to live. He is speaking that in his coming to this earth, that I'm here on mission. I'm here because I love you. He is saying to us, the Father has me on mission, and I voluntarily come, and I live among you to tell you that I'm for you. So this is God's awesome word to us, his only son, and we say appropriately, the Logos. Sometimes the Logos is personified and applies to Jesus such as the scriptures I just gave you in John. In our English Bibles, we have two Greek words translated word. Logos is personified and points to Jesus Christ. The rest of the time, Logos simply means what God has said or what God has to say to us. And so this is the word of God to everybody. You could say, let's open our Logos to John chapter 1. That would be appropriate to say that. This is the Logos from Genesis to Revelation, the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Paul and so forth. This is the Logos. This is the written word for all of us to consider what God has said to us. For example, we read, for the word logos of God is alive and powerful it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit between joint and marrow it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires Hebrews 4 12 the logos this is the logos the word is alive and powerful And then there's 2 Timothy chapter 2. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the Logos, the word of truth. So we have a personal Logos in Jesus. He's God's word to us and He's God's personal communication to us. And then we have a written Logos which is the Bible and it is the place where God speaks to us over and over and over again uh, because he inspired men and women of old to write over 40 different authors. It's the written Logos. And it's amazing how that Logos touches our hearts and informs us and gives us a direction for life. While well, this is critical. This Logos is critical for the formation of who we are as his followers. Because these are the words of God. And then we have a word that may be a little bit new to you. Uh, Maybe not. It's called a Rima word. It's the word of God to you personally. Now, I know we don't use this word a lot, but we use the concept. Pastor Robert uh, preached last Sunday And he talked about reading the Bible on occasions, and maybe even a familiar passage, that you've read time and again, and suddenly when you read it this time, it just pops. It just, it's just alive. It's just, it's just vibrating. It's just tingling with meaning for you. And it's a word for you personally. It's a specific message given for a specific person at a specific time. And sometimes we refer to it as the Rima word. Rema simply means a word that is spoken, an utterance. A Rima then is a verse or a portion of Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention with application to a current situation or need for direction. And the Holy Spirit is so good to us. And he will take the Scripture, he will take this Scripture, and he will apply it to our lives personally and in a living, dynamic way. So it's like he takes the Logos and he turns it into a Rima, a specific message for a specific time for a specific person. It's the illumination of the Logos for your situation in a powerful way. Uh, and it makes your heart starts to pound. You know it when you've come across that Rima word in your life and you, you say, oh, I didn't, Lord, I didn't see that before. I didn't get it that way. This is, this is, just, this is just what I need to hear. Oh, Lord, thank you for, for that clarification. And, and there comes a surge in your heart that you know you've heard from God. And I know you've heard that, you've felt that before. Uh, I'm so glad to read this. Or, oh, that makes so much sense to me. Or it's just what I need for the moment. Uh, at my ordination service, uh, one of uh, my professors brought the message. And uh, he spoke out of Exodus uh, chapter 3. And the Lord just touched that word for my life. I was just finished seminary training, both Mark and I, and, and we were on the verge of beginning ministry at our first church in a few months' time. And it was kind of a feeling like, am I ready for this? I don't know what's coming down the road. Moses says to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to plead the people of, lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And I was nodding my head. Like, I get that. Who am I to lead a congregation? I'm just as green as grass. And I've never been down this road before. And God answered in that Rima way, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God replied to Moses, You know, I am who I am. Say this to the people of, of Israel, I am has sent me. And, and that started to get real personal for me, Rema. Rima. And suddenly I realized, this is not all about me feeling green as grass. This is about God. This is about trusting Him. That, that He is all sufficient. I am who I am. And that's what God wanted to say to me. These words were intended uh, for long ago in the days of Moses, but God made them a personal word to me. And I was encouraged and strengthened and challenged to be obedient to Him. So we can... T- God can take the Logos and He can personalize it for, for us. We, we can just say it that way, that God just is personalizing His word, or we can say it's a Rima word. And there's a bit of an interpretation here on the word Rima to understand it the way I've said it forth, and I'm going to grant you that. But I think what we all appreciate is the fact that you can read Scripture and according to our need and context in our situation There's something that gets personalized for us. I mean, it got personalized for Peter in Luke chapter 5, verse 5. Remember Jesus was teaching from the boat to the crowds at the water's edge? And Peter was in that boat and after Jesus finished teaching, he said to Peter, hey man, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And you know Peter, he's the expert In fishing, Master, Simon replied, and the text uses the word Simon and not Peter. And usually when the text uses the word Simon, it's when Peter is being very human. Simon answered, Master, (laughs) we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your word, Rima, I will lower the nets. At your word, That was a specific word to to Peter at a specific time, had a specific message. And did you notice the impact upon Peter? It it broke him up. Uh, The result of obedience was that the nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. Uh, The the boats were about to sink. They called in their recruits from their partners. Guys come and help us, help with with this load of fish and, and we're sinking. (laughs) And i I, got to love this. Jesus must have been smiling. I'm going to fill their boats. This is going to be fun. I'm going to watch them scramble. They're not going to believe this. And so the fishing buds come over, and they were doing everything to manage the fish and to keep the boat from going down. And look at Peter. Look at Peter. Love to have seen his jaw drop. It's just like suddenly... Peter gets it. Peter gets it. Verse 8, when Peter realized what had happened, this wasn't a coincidence, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. I mean his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they, it says they were also amazed. So it was a Rima moment for them all. Oh God, this is you speaking. You're telling me something. You are giving me a message. A specific message for a specific person for a specific time. Now friends, I I know you're having these experiences as you read the scripture. Oh, aren't they awesome? There are moments when God opens your heart and your eyes and your heart beats fast because now it's a personal word. It's a personal word. And God didn't reserve those experiences for a few, just a few of his children. They're for all of us. And I want to encourage you as you grow in them. And the purpose of the message this morning is just to pick up our awareness, just to pick up our awareness, and also to say to you, relax, relax, and grow in them, grow in those words that come to you, listen for them, and, and there are going to be personal words that come to you for the context in which you live and the situations that you face, and they're going to come to you, and God loves you so much that he's going to give you a special word. See, we're all like the sequoia tree. We all have delicate root systems, more fragile than we could ever imagine. But God wants us to grow up tall and true, a display of His glory in the world. So we need to be like the Psalm 1 tree, planted on the bank of the river where we are nourished constantly. The roots have a steady supply of nutrients, and the roots spread out and intertwined with others in the community of faith. Friends, don't wait to be, uh, to be fed on Sunday. Uh, we'll try to do our best. But God wants to speak to you each day. Find a place with Him. Bring your journal. Read a passage. Ask the question, what do you want me to hear from you today, Lord? What do you want to say to me from this particular passage? And then listen. Listen for the whispers. And when you hear the inner voice, when you hear the whisper, listen. Write it down. And if you need clarification, ask another question. Lord, what do you mean by that? What do you really want me to know by that? The most predictable way to hear from heaven is to read and apply God's word. Every morning or maybe midday, or maybe it's at evening, find some precious time to be in the Word, listening, engaging in listening prayer, always asking the question, Lord, but what are you saying to me? And when you increase your biblical engagement, you increase the odds that you'll hear from God. Not too complicated, is it? The more you're into the Word, the more you'll you'll hear God. God has already written down his advice on the most common uh, dilemmas that we'll face in the world. They're they're in here, things like relationships and communication and money management, and and we would do well to take advantage of that. Psalm 119, verse 105, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. When we get his illumination, it's so life-changing. So here's the encouragement as you read the Logos, which is God's Word. Ask God to speak to you through His Word. Ask God to give insight into it. And the Holy Spirit can cause certain passages to stand out with significant meaning or application for your life. If you slow the RPMs enough to listen, you'll hear Him speaking. Life is full of many trials. I don't know what you might be experiencing right now. My guess is that there's a high percentage of people here this morning that are going through some stuff. And there are many hard times in life, many difficulties. And what we need is faith to face those difficult moments in life. Martin Luther used to say, it's hard to have faith. It's hard to trust. Because we don't have the capability of humans just to say, well, I'll just muster up a bunch of faith. It's just really hard to do that. Where does faith come from? How do we get faith, even as Christians? How do we continue to believe? Well, Paul has the answer to that, and he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's the Rima of Christ. It's the special word of Christ. So faith comes from what? Hearing the word of God. So I just want to encourage you this morning to to keep in the Word, uh, to have a plan to read and meditate and listen for God in the Word and to continue uh, your plan and to hear His his remas, His personal words to you as you walk with Him. How easy it is for other things to crowd out our time in the Word. Don't you notice that? How difficult it is, how distracted we become. If you don't plan it and guard your time... It it just doesn't happen. Other things will squeeze it out. I close this morning with a quote from John Wesley. It's a 300-year-old quote. It's in that language, but listen to it. He said, I'm a spirit come from God and returning to God. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. God himself has condescended to teach me the way. He's written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. We have it. There is knowledge for me. Let me be a man of one book. Here then I am far from the busy ways of men. I sit down alone. Only God is here. In his presence I open. I read as for this end to find the way to heaven. John Wesley, may it be true for each of us as well. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we want to find the way to your heart. The way to heaven, but the way to your heart. We want to know your heart, Lord. And we believe that you have uh, so much for us as we listen and obey forgive us when we look in so many other directions for the things that uh, we try to get to satisfy us thank you for the Logos for us to read thank you for those times when you really personalize the Logos for us and we know you have a specific word for us Uh, Lord help us even this week to get a little bit better at hearing you and obeying you and uh, walking with you in faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.